We are just getting some news in when we talk about the 320 airstrike Israel launched overnight in Gaza about exactly how they are dealing with precision targeting. News that there is a new weapon that Israel is actually using in this fight that they have first deployed during this now 17-day war and deploying it nearly a dozen times. Uh, their Magellan Commando Unit in charge of using this a certain type of mortar or bomb. I want to get to Nick Robertson, Starod Israel. Uh, Nick, this is new information into CNN about what exactly Israel is doing. What have you learned about this weapon and this unit that we understand is called the Magellan Commando Unit? Yeah, a specialist unit using a new weapon, a specialist new weapon, steel sling, um, steel sting. This is a weapon that really advances technologically the old-fashioned mortar. The old-fashioned mortar is sort of a close infantry tool. You can use it close to the front line or a little further back. It fires really high in the air, goes right up and comes right down. Now, typically in the past, if you're using the old-fashioned version, you need a forward spotter who can see where it's hitting, and it takes maybe three rounds for a good mortar team to put a round precisely on a target. This new system apparently does away with that entirely. It is computer-controlled. You dial in the designated location of the target, uh, and this mortar fires and hits that target with pinpoint accuracy. That's what the IDF is saying. So what does this mean? It means when they see a small uh, Hamas or Palestinian, Palestinian Islamic Jihad unit out in the field with, a, with an anti-tank weapon, the sort of thing that was used yesterday to kill an IDF soldier, they can pinpoint them precisely and hit them quickly and readily. Now, we weren't aware of this being operational in the region, and we've become used to here the explosions, the detonations, missiles uh, and artillery. But this had a whole new sound. And when we first heard this weapon firing off, we ducked for cover because it literally made this huge whoosh and went right over us. And we didn't know what it was. We did uh, hear it impact, see yeah. it impact. So this is something the IDF really hopes can help it target precisely small groups. And, and Nick, it's interesting that you're saying you can actually, by audio, hear that it's very different, that your actual physical reaction, your adrenaline reaction would be different. Obviously very significant because you've been standing there the whole time. And of course, in Ukraine, you hear artillery are used to all of these sounds. Um, just some context here, though, Phil. 320 strikes overnight. They said 205, I think, the day before yesterday. So I'm just putting it out here to make a point. That's more than 500 strikes in any given 48 period, and they've been running around that rate, right? Even the Palestinian Health Authority is not saying that there's anywhere near that many number of deaths a day. So it just, I, I, I'm making this point to make uh, a use of the word precision. That, that they are incredibly precise. And in fact, it seems like in some cases, they're actually targeted at operation command centers, not necessarily at individual Hamas operatives, right? But at structural or infrastructural points, right? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Aaron. We'll get back to you very, very soon. And with us now, editor and foreign affairs columnist at Bloomberg, Bobby Ghosh, and former foreign policy advisor to the Bush administration, Mitt Romney, and the co-author of a new book coming up, The Genius of Israel, Dan Sino with us. Thank you, gentlemen, both for being here very much. I actually want to begin with what we heard from the King of Jordan, Dan, over the weekend. This is an, a, a U.S. ally, but he was emphatic, obviously choosing his words carefully and sending a message. Here he was. The relentless bombing campaign underway in Gaza, as we speak, is cruel and unconscionable on every level. It is collective punishment of a besieged and helpless people. 
It is a flagrant violation of international humanitarian law. It is a war crime. You hear that, coupled with our reporting that the U.S. is urging Israel to pause, mm -hmm. to wait, to try to allow more time to get hostages out. What and, and the and the IDF says there is no ceasefire, there is no pause. Yeah. What is your read? So I think there are two things going on. When you hear leaders in the region making those statements, I think they're very concerned about the Arab street getting hot, particularly the King of Jordan, who's worried about real volatility in his own population in Jordan and whether or not the tensions between Israel and Gaza, Israel and Hamas, could have, you know, cascading effects for his own security of his own power. But leaders, most of the leaders in the Arab world, are quietly saying, I hope Israel wipes out Hamas once and for all. So what they're saying publicly and what they're saying privately are two different things, particularly when you look into the Persian Gulf, the Sunni Gulf, they're hoping that Hamas is wiped but, out. The question is the cost, right? I mean, we, this, we heard Queen Rania, his wife, who's Palestinian, yeah. Really concerned as well about the treatment of the Palestinian people and all. Of I, this. I, I look. I think there are legitimate concerns about the Palestinian civilians. The question is, who's responsible for that? Who can ultimately control their fate? Is it Israel or is it Hamas? The U.S. administration's agenda is different. I believe the Biden administration has minor, mild hope that they're going to get out some of the hostages, particularly the hostages with American passports. We saw two released last week. I think Hamas is playing a very clever game where they're starting to dribble out hostages. I think you'll see more of that over, over the next few days. And so the Biden administration is saying, wait, if we're going to start getting out a couple of hostages here and there, every couple of days, there's a family I'm meeting with today. Hirsch Goldberg Poland is a hostage who's here. I think he's been on CNN. Yeah. And um, his parents are here today uh, meeting at the UN Security Council. So a lot of these parents are organized as well they should be. And the Biden administration is saying, give it time. This puts Israel in a real conundrum because they can wait and they can wait and they can wait. At some point is the concern that will undermine their own future operation. And if all that's released at the end of it are hostages, except for those that are just Israeli passports. Bobby, Dan gets at the complexity here, which as I've spent a lot of time trying to get my head around it. And while I'm certainly not a foreign affairs expert or foreign policy expert, I've covered a lot of this stuff for long enough to know that this is very different given how many cross-cutting variables they seem to be. You talk about the leaders in the region who might be saying something publicly for effect, saying something differently. You see the U.S. wants hostages out, but is also moving in uh, significant force uh, posture increases for deterrence purposes, also potentially getting drawn into something bigger, uh, while also trying to hug Israel and its leaders, uh, who they know are eventually going to launch a ground incursion. How does this all move forward in the weeks ahead, given what Dan is talking about, the hostages, where the Israelis are, a ground incursion, all these elements? It moves forward very, very, very slowly until the ground offensive takes place, and then it moves very quickly. So uh, that's, the, that's the nature of these things. You know, things happen slowly until they suddenly happen very, very quickly. The triggering event now will be the ground invasion. Until then, there'll be all, all this diplomacy going around it. There'll be more, depending on how long this continues, the, the sort of, um, depending how, mu how much time Israel takes to launch the ground offensive. I imagine there'll be more gatherings of regional leaders. Um, you know, S Secretary Blinken will be on the road virtually all the time, trying to get the, the herd all these cats together. Right. There will be a lot of negotiations behind the scenes involving the Qataris for those hostages, and there will be lots of conversations between the White House and uh, the Netanyahu but When office. you say triggering, I mean, my big question, what does triggering mean? What does it trigger? And that's obviously the big concern when you talk to U.S. officials. Well, the calculation as to when the ground offensive begins will be made by the Israelis, right. and, and they will consider all kinds of factors, including the pressure from the United States. But as Dan pointed out, they need to move in 
before too long. There, there's, a, there's a time limit on how much they can wait. Um, there, there is a momentum. There's a, we keep thinking of the pressure that's being put on Netanyahu from the outside. We're, we're not paying enough attention to the pressure from within, from Israelis. And, and your correspondents on the ground will, will know this better than Aaron will know and Nick, that Israelis want to see something done. We're, we're now two weeks away from the horrific events that began this chain of occurrences. And those events are still fresh in the minds of Israelis. They still want a reckoning for what happened on the 7th of October. They still want to make sure that that never happens again. There's a lot of pressure on Netanyahu to, to follow through on his promises, to go in and finish Hamas once and for all. We can discuss around this table whether that's even possible. But we must not discount the, the strength of feeling in Israel and the impact that feeling has on Netanyahu's, um, on, on his disposition towards Gaza. And to the point earlier about what leaders say in public and what they say behind closed doors, I think it's really interesting that CNN's reporting is now the Biden administration has pressed Israel to delay that ground invasion to try to get more hostages out. But it's not something we've heard publicly from the president, except for what his team says was a misunderstanding of him saying yes to a question over the weekend. Do you think there comes a point when that is something that the president says out loud? Uh, no. I think the president's approach so far has been to give the Israeli government and the Israeli people a big bear hug in public, say, I have your back. I think what he did, as we talked about last week, was very dramatic by showing up in Israel, meeting with the war cabinet. So very forward leaning and, and uh, sort of attach at the hip message publicly and privately comparing, conveying these messages. I do not believe ever. he will start. I don't know about ever. I can't say ever. But in the near term, I don't think he's going to pressure Israel uh, because the deterrent effect that that would wipe out if the U.S. government is publicly in the president's voice pressuring Israel, the message that would send to Hezbollah, the message it would send to mm. Iran would be disastrous. Bobby, Dan, thanks, guys. I appreciate it.